This podcast is protected under the laws of the United States and other countries. Unauthorized duplication, distribution, or exhibition may result in civil liability, criminal prosecution, and the wrath of the tall man. <laughs> Boy! Hey, let's talk about you, the ID10T community events at ID10T.com, like Russ Stevens, a.k.a. Cool Movies Darth, who uh, has started a podcast called 90 for Chill, uh, which Russ says is dedicated to movies with a runtime between 74 and 99 minutes, the time frame that I feel is ideal. Russ, I could not agree with you more. That is a fantastic idea. Uh, Russ goes on to say there are times you need a cinematic fix but don't have time for the latest Scorsese masterpiece or offering from a comic book universe. There's also times when you know you need a conclusion to prevent a binge costing you a whole night. Um, my guests and I try to follow these guidelines as we chat up features that are definitely worth your time and are beyond easy to make time for. 90 for Chill, the podcast, can be found on all major podcast platforms at 94chill.com, and that's spelling out 90, uh, N-I-N-E-T-Y, 4-F-O-R, chill. Um, so there you go. Thank you so much for sharing, Russ. A uh, really great idea for a podcast. Events at ID10T.com for everyone else. Thank you for checking out 90 for Chill, the podcast with Cat Bus Russ. This is your host, Cat Bus Russ. And this episode, I had a conversation with the poetic critic, the big sister to me. And we discuss what she's watching during Spooktober, which involves a lot of kaiju, some vampires, traditional and Hong Kong hopping style. And her fears for the box office this winter. But before we get to that, I decided to fill in the R section of this year's trip through Ali's Accessory Shop on Etsy's Trash Feature Review with a Danny Trejo knockoff on Shocker, I suppose, is a good way of defining Reaper. I should have probably just stuck with a kaiju theme and found a copy of Rodan, but I digress. Let's get on to that movie and then we'll get on to our conversation with the Poetic Critic. Little Hands says it's time to rock and roll. Bring the noise. 90 for Chill, the podcast, proudly presents to you Ali's Accessories Shop on Etsy's Trash Feature Review. Former ordained minister, the Reaper, has been incarcerated and sentenced to death by a lecture chair. It's day seven of the nationwide manhunt for the death cult congregation leader known as the Reaper. After a freak power failure during the execution, the Reaper escaped. Victims were known to be convicted felons, prostitutes, drug dealers, and gang members. Seven sins, seven plagues. You want to live? I got to get some sleep. You're gonna need all the help you can get. To go to his hotel and finish things. No, I think you owe me. Reaper from 2014 seemed like a well, it seemed like a garbage flick, but lots of potential. So the film has in its cast Danny Trejo, Vinnie Jones, Jake Busey. I mean, if you're going to find something on Tubi that's horror-related, that sounds like a pretty solid lineup. Uh, it's the story of our nameless girl uh, who's doing her con- best to con some drug dealers and mafioso types 
uh, Vidi Jones, the head of the mob, the uh, the head mobster. It starts with her, you know, hitching a ride with Jake Busey, using whatever he she can resources there. Meets up with the money guy for Vinnie Jones at a diner where the character is operating pretty much in view of everybody. Lots of silly things and a little more over-the-top characters could have probably made this fun. Now, Jake Busey doesn't, isn't long for the film. Danny Trejo is pretty much what you think Danny Trejo would be in real life. I mean, aside from a current drug dealer. He's likable. Our protagonist uh, is, well, you understand her game and her motivations. Not a well-written character by any stretch of the imagination. Our protagonist, portrayed by Shayla Beasley, is just trying to steal enough money to go and get her mom the life-saving surgery she needs. While all of this is happening, a cult leader known as Reaper survives his execution escapes from prison and is going back to his own stopping grounds, which of course all of this activity is happening in. So the problem mainly with the, the story is the fact that, okay, once we establish our character's motivations and all the stuff, this could have been done maybe in a half hour, cut out Jake Busey, and then it should be just running away from essentially a murderer who or the cult leader, who is Shocker. He uses electricity to kill everybody, can jump around like nothing, no restraints. Uh, Shocker goes in the machine. That's what I was kind of hoping for, and you're not going to get it. The effects are pretty lousy, um, all CG, and some of it's just silly when it comes to hitting, shooting people or stabbing people. Uh, Vinnie Jones is pretty much the best thing about the feature in the end because he is, he's the only one dialing it up to 11. Uh, I definitely appreciate, but again, it's just a movie that makes no sense. As you say, visual effects are all CG and direction is, takes place in pretty much a small hotel, so there's no room to direct and he's still not able to keep everything in frame. So definitely one to pass, but... I don't know, I probably would have enjoyed this more than other options for the R feature for Ali's Accessory Shop on Etsy's Trash Feature Review. I originally went and decided I was going to try watching a, another Danny Trejo movie, uh, Recoil, where it's Steve Austin versus Danny Trejo. But then, oh no, that's not horror, it's October. Uh, but before that, it was Rollerball 2002 was a feature, and it's that just looked stupid from the scene they were showing us. Misses the purity of the game of rollerball. And that's such a disgrace. So it's unwatchable before I even get a chance to watch, I suppose. So that is Alex Accessory Shop on Etsy's Trash Feature Review. And on to the show. Welcome to 90 for Chill, the podcast with Cat Bus Russ. This is your host, Cat Bus Russ. And this is the In Case of uh, No Guests for Spooky Month Break the SD Card. And I'm using the SD card because Allie has pointed out that, oh, I didn't know that Chris Hardrick does, 
did promotion for your show. And it's like, that's been a clip I've been playing since July. You haven't been following, have you? Well, you haven't been putting it on every episode. And it's just telling me that she's only listened to the short episodes that get reported onto my Spotify for Podcasters app on my phone. So here we go. I can just go plug this in. But that's enough. Am I scary obsessive? It's spooky month. But somebody who's not too scary, or she, she hides it very well, uh, is the poetic critic. And, you know, we're just going to shoot the poop. You know, try to keep it PG for as long as I can um, about what's going on. And, you know, little light letterbox stocking. And uh, she's been keeping up on the uh, Godzilla features. I asked if it was from her Blu-rays, but no. She doesn't necessarily want to get out of the bed. <laughs> she got a controller, and Pluto's got a channel. Well, that's one way. I have mostly been using the Blu-rays and uh, working on finishing up the original Showa series by getting around to the 70s entries. Yep, and I see um, her favorite... I, I so, guess so, so far it's Godzilla versus Gigan, but I've heard good things about the last two, which are the Mecha Godzilla bouts. Oh, okay. You see, I see it, and it's like, isn't that Gigan? I mean, no, I believe the pronunciation is Gigan. I, I'm just, I, I guess it's more of the translation. Are you watching these subbed or dubbed? Um, I always prefer subbed. Okay, so I, I can't tell. Uh, titles. So tomato, tomato. But um. Uh, yeah. Gold, so Godzilla versus Gigan. Yeah, right. with yeah, th- this is the point in the Godzilla run where they were pretty much children's movies. They were being made on lower budgets. They were using a lot more stock footage, and they were getting a occasionally getting a bit more experimental in how they presented him. Mm-hmm. Like two two of the films, uh, Godzilla versus Hedora, mm-hmm. which in English is up. Uh, uh, was often presented as Godzilla vs. the Smog Monster. Oh, yeah. as seen? No, that didn't make MST3K. Did that? No, that was no, that was Godzilla vs. Hedorah is the one that was in the fame, the uh, seminal nineteen seventy eight tome fifty worst movies ever made as the representative oh. of the Japanese kaiju film. Well, you gave that one three and a half. So well, no, uh, no, there are a lot of people like that, like that one. It's. Uh, it is mo- it's uh, very much the groovy Godzilla installment. Yeah, proto Ferngully as you're putting uh, it. Well, well, the monster literally does feed off stuff like smokestacks. So we're just a Tim Curry away from a five-star feature. Oh, I don't know. Because it does take... Because it is interesting, it's not as much about the usual smash the buildings destruction as monsters simply being a living source of poison. And it is one of the more interesting monsters because offhand, it's the only one I can think of that's a shapeshifter yeah. in the original run. It, it goes between a few different forms because it's actually an alien organism yeah. that comes, but it feeds on our pollution. And this is also the one that introduced kind of an alternate theme music for Godzilla that, which is kind of like, it's almost like a big band theme as Fifty Worst Films puts it. So it's a little, it's a little goofier. Instead of the dum 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 dum. Yeah, it's a little different. Actually, this is the point where for the. from this film onwards so far, each of the movies has had an original theme song. Oh. And 
in 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 Smog Monster, it's the one about protecting the planet. Then you get to Godzilla versus Gigan, which is a bit more serious and has quite a bit of destruction, more destruction in it, even if a lot of it's stock footage. And that is the one where, in a few scenes, by way of little speech bubbles, Godzilla talks to, I think the name of the other monster is Anguirus, because mm. they, they team up in this one. Huh. Well, and it's very, he, he's not a big talker, believe me. Yeah. And then when you... I mean, tall, tall guys with teeth aren't, yeah. I mean, thinking back to Richard Keel and his jaws. Yeah. But that one has, that one has a really interesting storyline. Mm. And um, then you get to Godzilla versus Megalon. This is one of the two that Mystery Science Theater 3000 did. And it's the one that brings in tokusatsu elements. Okay. With Jet Jaguar, the robot. Mm. <laughs> and, and the has the famous Jet Jaguar theme song at the end. <laughs> fudge, fudge, fudge. <laughs> Jet, and it is, it is very silly, and a good deal of it is intentional in how they stage, like, how the monsters fight. Because by this point in the series, but starting with... They discussed this in the liner notes of the Blu-ray set, that a big thing that defined how the monsters fought in the movies from King Kong versus Godzilla onward was growing popularity of pro wrestling in Japan. So this is, is the... it is very evident when you get to Godzilla versus Metalon. It is very, this a lot is, of it's played very humorously. This is the infamous dropkick. Yeah, so this is one where he slides on his tail. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. But then in Godzilla versus the Smog Monster, he he uses he's able to fly with the help of his famous atomic breath. Mm-hmm. And we're really experimenting with Godzilla's skill set in each of the films <laughs> yeah. at this point. Mm-hmm. But it's but it's interesting that you get these very different tones mm-hmm. for what were being pushed as kids' films. And it's it's like children's entertainment in the way the vintage Doctor Who was seen as children's entertainment in the UK. Okay. Because the when uh, versus Geigen and versus Megalon are a bit bloodier than usual with the monster bouts hmm. than anything that they'd done up to that point and how how graphic it was getting. It's not too really gratuitous or anything. Yeah. But when you're dealing with one of the new mo- Geigen has this buzzsaw in its belly, hmm. as Larry Malton put it. That makes that much more dangerous. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I just had the two Mechagodzilla films to go, and my understanding is that's when they took a turn for the more dramatic again. Well, I mean... Well, the, well, the last one's actually directed by Ishiro Honda, hmm. who uh, directed the original film and some of the other early installments. Okay. And aside from, I mean, I see you checked out Sven Gulli's movie. Well, yeah, it's a short documentary. Oh, okay. It was just long enough to qualify as a little TV movie. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it was good. It's yeah. from last year, mm-hmm. but, you know, I'm really fond of Sven Gulli. And MeTV's really been going all in this year. They've been re- doing double features. Okay. On Saturday nights mm-hmm. this month, for I think the first time. Oh, all right. Well. No, I, I really like the horror the horror host shows. Yeah, catching up with those. So no, right. No. But also, I've been looking at you know I'm looking Criterion channels had a bunch of interesting collections right now. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I see uh, we've also gotten some vampire movies in. Uh, you missed... Mr. Vampire uh, seemed to have uh, scored really high uh, with yeah, you. Yeah, if to explain Mr. Vampire, it was basically the kind the like it's probably too easy to just say it was the Hong Kong equivalent of Ghostbusters oh. both the this tone of the film and how popular it was. It it took me on a little bit of a Wikipedia rabbit hole, but there was a huge craze in Hong Kong in the eighties for Horror comedy kung fu hybrids. Okay, so um, looking at your review on Letterboxd, the poetic critic, uh, I see you bouncing along at a clip, and yeah. I've seen Robo Vampire, <laughs> so I'm familiar with Chinese hopping vampires. Yeah, basic idea. But Robo Vampire is not a good introduction. No, 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 no. I'm just saying, are we getting hopping vampires in this movie? Oh, yes. Okay. This is what popularized that on movies for about like seven, seven or eight years, there were tons of these kind of movies being brought out. Mm. And there, Mr. Vampire, which was a series produced by Sammo Hung, mm. who also did the proto film in this genre, a film called, depending on the translation, Spooky Encounters or Encounters of the Spooky Kind. And that has a long sequence with a hopping vampire in it. Mm -hmm. And from there, there was this whole series of movies called Mr. Vampire Films, which only the last one was an actual sequel to the first. Okay. They were all movies just taken, taken hopping vampires as a jumping off point, so to speak, mm. for uh, horror comedy adventures. Okay. Like, the same, they had the same actor in most of the films as the good priest who who serves as the to head up heroes and they they give him like two wacky sidekicks mm -hmm. there's often a romantic a romantic subplot where one of the sidekicks gets seduced by a ghost mm. pretty female ghost too yeah <laughs> that, that, that's that what's ha that's what happens when you're the aphroid <laughs> uh, um and another vampire movie you saw which I don't know why the Cinema Snob video wasn't enough for you. <laughs> Billy the Kid versus Dracula starring Jane, James John, John, John Carradine. Carradine. Yes. It was the third time he played the character. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, he he was the substitute after... After Bill goes, he didn't want to reprise the role for Universal. Yeah. He started doing the crossover films. He was brought in. Oh, okay. And he did a pretty good job. Well, I mean... It's very. I mean, he did a very good job, judging that there's so much day for night shots in oh, this yeah. movie. Oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, what what impressed me is the movie was clearly making an effort. It mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, it's just one of the forties, the forties run of the Universal films again, but it doesn't have the the budget to really plot. Also, it, there's not really any reason for it to be specifically. Billy the Kid versus Dracula. This could have yeah. just worked with generic werewolves and gunslinger. Well, vampires and gunslingers probably would have been better off. Mm -hmm. it feels like you're not really leaning into the full potential premise otherwise. Yeah. So I've seen the other the sister there was a sister film to it, Jesse James Meets Frankenstein's Daughter. I've heard of that. Yeah. And then... I saw a lot of that when 
there was the short-lived revival of the old Elvira's movie, The Cop uh, Show, that ran in syndication about ten years ago. They mm-hmm. featured that one. <laughs> oh, that computer looks bad. <laughs> Occasionally having her pop up to make comments during the movie. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, that, that's mm-hmm. a much weirder film. <laughs> yes. And another vampire film you saw, you went way back to 1920 with uh, genuine the tragedy of vampire. I was just vampire. looking for some more uh, shorter form silent movies. Well, 88 minutes, that's pretty this... long for silent. Well, actually it comes across more like 40 depending on the speed uh, and okay. how these things work. Yes. I'm not sure if there's longer restorations mm. out there. It's often hard to tell. Because mm. in any case, there's not a lot to it. But it's the same, it's German film and it's the same director as cabinet of dr caligari mm-hmm. it has some of the same expressionistic elements okay. and it's not the kind a lot of people don't qu- quite get what how vampire kind of had multiple terms back in the early 20th century mm-hmm. there's a reason we call the the bad girl character a vamp yeah, okay because it's the idea that She's a woman who seduces men and leads them to the dark side. And this is what this one's about. Okay. And it is a pretty interesting little film. Um, expressionistic films often are. I like them. Mm-hmm. And looking elsewhere, I've been working through... I, oh, say, don't, don't forget Hotel Transylvania if we want to keep up with the vampires. Yeah, I like that one a lot. I was yes. catching up with this. I can kind of see why these have a bit of a cult following in the animation community. Yeah. With Jenny... because the just for the sheer expressionism of the animation Mm -hmm. in a genre that in this country at least has become a little we're kind of struggling with at this point in the look that is definitely fair which is kind of ironic that uh you know we have that uh in a sense manga and anime are starting to look better because of this I mean, there's an express. There's not because. Well, I'm just saying, you know. Yeah. Big I mean, mouth, small eyes, little mouth, small eyes. But yeah, yeah. Well, I was thinking more that people trying to what what impresses people, from my understanding, about how the animation in the Hotel Transylvania films works, and Tarkovsky did the first three, is. That it goes back to more classical and you American animation mm-hmm. principles like squash and stretch and the yes. very deep extreme designs. Right. Where like the expressiveness is funny to watch. Yeah. Nice. And that's something you don't really get in Disney or even Pixar at this point. Well, I can't really say outside of Monsters Inc. that I really get a lot of stretchy faces. Right. Maybe cars, since you know they're freaking cars and don't have faces well like there's an expressionism to the humanoid characters that we're not really seeing in disney's work anymore mm. and it's it it brings me to how this year we are trying we're seeing more experimentation with well when like what people are trying to move away from is photorealism mm and in terms of your backgrounds or how you how the characters move 
and you see this response in how well stuff like the Puss in Boots sequel or Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is going. Mm -hmm. Or what Disney seems to be attempting with their their big Thanksgiving title this year, Wish. Although, I don't really see an appreciable difference between what that movie it looks like and what the like the Frozen movies do. Well, I mean, Disney's got to look to maintain. But with all that said, would you rather we go back to the... Um, what, how long did it usually take for a... Because now it... You know, they got a good enough CG model you can copy and paste wherever you want. I don't care if Hollywood says they don't do that. They definitely do that. Um, back to how long it took for movies to come out. Uh, back when we were growing up, like, you know, we had two years between The Little Mermaid and and um, Beauty and the Beast. And you said, well, there's Rescuers Down Under and DuckTales, but... Um, there was no real big 93 movie that comes to mind during the Disney Renaissance between, um, 92's Aladdin and 94's The Lion King in, what, Pocahontas is 96? 95. Well, see, that's what I'm getting at. It's like, no, 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 let it cook. Well, no, I I have to wonder if that wouldn't, wouldn't be a better approach at this point. Yeah, that's... Even... I remember when The Lion King came out that Gene Siskel enjoyed the movie, but he said he didn't really like the idea of Disney just cranking these things. Oh, and Hercules was 95, and I think that was... No, Hercules was 97. Oh, okay. Well, uh, they take 98 off? No, that was Mulan. Oh, okay. And then 99 was Hunchback. No, that was... That was uh, Tarzan. The Hunchback was 96. Okay, see, but the point is you're filling in the holes and maybe that's what tells you they need to make things cook a little longer yeah. if I can't put them in the right spots. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, uh, otherwise on your uh, recent list, I mean, I, I, I did, went all the way back to Crush Groove. Well, that does mean I'm thinking we can go from Frankenstein's Monster in Trans Hotel Transylvania to Frankenhooker, which is one that is... I know I gotta watch on Shutter at some point. Yeah, and you get you, yeah, like your horror comedies. That, yes. Like there seems to be a bit of a slant towards that in the Criterion Channel's horror nineties horror collection. Mm-hmm. Well, not, not just horror, but more of the low budget side. Yes. Of horror that decade. Mm. And those and those kind of horror comedies are fun too. Yeah. But. I mean, it, it seems like I, I've seen Bride, Bride of Reanimator, but mm-hmm. this one seems to be like, all right, yeah, I could probably use Jeff Combs, but <laughs> it definitely seems to not take itself overly seriously. No, it's very much a comedy. Yes. Uh, and I see you saw Ginger Snaps, which... It didn't do as much for me, given its reputation. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean... And now we're 48 is, is, is a little long, long yes. Yeah, I, will, I will give you that. Uh, righty. I mean, I, I like, well, okay, maybe me being the same age as, as the actresses is like, yeah, I'm kind of getting into it. And I, Catherine Isabel's done a lot of fun movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, if you want to, like, it's fun when I think back, I mean, she's done a lot, couple movies, The Saska Sisters, um, American Mary, and 
See No Evil 2 with Kane, which really makes up for See No Evil 1. Um, but yeah. But yeah, it's Mimi Rogers is good. I think a little more of an adult look at these crazy kids could have helped. Mm-hmm. I mean, all you got is Mimi Rogers and the principal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a. Uh, um, I've seen the entire trilogy. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, I've got more more titles to work through. Yeah, so those oh, were right. catching the parts of older movies you know we'd seen as like on cable as kids. Yeah, kind of oh yeah, there's Th- that's kind of stuff I don't really log per se. Okay, but... yeah, no, I, I do have to catch up with the at least one of the mani- the first Maniac Cop. Uh, it's <laughs> currently on the uh, No on Thirteen All Casts uh, Slashing Prices series. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's see. Otherwise, I mean, if you want to talk about the future of cinema, we can get to there. But uh, the future of physical media. A coworker of mine at my liquor job told me that an electronic store in, I checked the internet, uh, mm-hmm. Best Buy is mm-hmm. doing away with physical media yes. for films. Video games, and it's obviously yeah. why the video games, because the... Sony, Nintendo, and Microsoft don't want to stop selling video games. Right. So. But yeah, there there's been talk about uh, more and more attempt. It's been okay. We seem to be culturally on the fence about physical media at this point because for every report you hear, the places like Best Buy aren't going to sell them anymore. Then you get on the other side of the coin, how companies, there are boutique companies like Criterion Collection, Arrow, Severin, Vinegar Syndrome. Mm, That was what I was trying to think about when Uh, I was talking to a friend. Yeah. They are really thriving right now. Mm. Or Kino Lorber. Yeah. Have really been thriving lately because they're dipping into a lot of these more obscure titles and what studio the big studios now count as obscure these days seems to get wider and wider when you see all the like 80s and 90s big studio titles that Kino Lorber has to pick up because the big studios won't won't do anything with them. Mm. Well, um it, it's like we're suddenly really on the fence on what where that's going. Especially as the streaming bubble is, if not, argue, one can argue it's already burst. At the very least, it's deflating quick. Oh no! The moment that uh, Max is now saying, "Hey, subscribe, and we'll give you a month of Bleacher Report," or telling us, "Hey, go to AMC Plus." Yeah. I mean, it's just like well, it's, it's turning into side. cable. Yeah. And that's that's yes. a, that's why it, I agree that. Well, some pe- a lot of us really preferred cable you see where ad ad supported services like pluto tv and tubi are just thriving at this point Mm -hmm. again because they're picking up a lot of the catalog titles again Mm. look you look at pluto tv right now that they've got improving 24 7 selection tubi of course is thriving it's in a lot of ways it can work as a poor man's criterion channel depending on your tastes Mm -hmm. uh I know I watched a uh, YouTuber 
can't remember what it was, but he was basically just offering, hey, here's the 15 most effed up movies you can see on Tubi right now. Well, I've seen the new ad campaign Tubi's run. No, I haven't. I've just started seeing an ad. Well, YouTube has started showing me, like, oh, you only got a blowjob at at this first date. You need a three-minute video about this sex toy. Never mind the bear hoodie. (laughs) Like, I'm not getting the good ads. I don't know what you're doing. Well... (laughs) Like, Tubi on, and this is during stuff I've seen on Pluto TV. Mm-hmm. Tubi, Tubi's running a Find Your Next Rabbit Home that's saying stuff. On Tubi, you can find shows, telenovelas tele about drug smugglers who use obscenely long boats. <laughs> or stuff like, joke, gags like that. Okay. But, and what? this... But another thing is, Disney has announced they are no longer going to do physical media releases in Australia. At the same time, they're finally bringing out some of the earlier seasons of the Disney Plus originals in hard copy format in this country. Yeah, and Steelbook. I'll give them credit for that. So And overpriced. Yeah, it's a weird weird time right now. And it's going to be interesting to see where we come on the other side. Yeah. And... It's similar to what we're seeing theatrically right now. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm glad to he- hear I'm glad to hear about the thriving market. It looks like there's more and more of a thriving market for special event things like this Taylor Swift concert film or the upcoming Beyonce movie or various fandom events. Because they added a bunch for the end of the year. And... And... One of the things that struck me is that they're definitely more more of a push to get older titles back in theaters, if only to mark an anniversary or for no real reason at all. For, I mean, we knew in advance that they were going to do Family Events was going to do a Christmas story 40th anniversary in December, but Universal is also just going to bring out How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the version with Jim Carrey for a few nights that month. In the UK, uh, Studio Canal has announced that uh, they are going. In, in the UK, Studio Canal has announced they're doing a 4K reissue of Santa Claus the Movie, tying into a new disc hard copy media release. But they're going to do a theatrical run for it over there. Hmm. And it's. And I really think a lot of this is stemming from the fact that there are just not a lot of big-ticket titles coming out over November, December of this year. Well, I mean, you got to spread out your lineup to cover the fact that you couldn't make more stuff. Yes, the strike, the strike was a big issue mm. and remains one. Yes. But it still seems like studios were not really pushing to do big wide release titles anyway if they feel they have to I mean Dune Part 2 was going to be huge and it'll probably do fine next March but it's not going to be the same environment it would have had come if it had come out at the end of the, this month because mm-hmm. for one thing Warner Brothers currently has the next MonsterVerse movie opening shortly after that ah. also for that month and that means taking away IMAX screens, when Dune Part 2 was pretty much going to get IMAX for all of November. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But as it is, in, no- in November, 
the offerings are really thin if you're looking for big general interest title. Well, as you say, I'm I'm into the Marvels. Um, and no, everything I get to see trailers for, the poetic critic poo-poo's on. <laughs> I'm sorry. You had me sold with Oompa Loompa Grant. Having seen the the final trailer, which was dropped this week for Wonka, that one leans on Hugh Grant as an Oompa Loompa like a crutch. <laughs> as it... That's, that's not a crutch. That is a foundation. <laughs> like it's showing like whole scenes at this point of just that. And it doesn't speak well for what the rest of the movie is if they don't want to focus on the fact that, one, this is a musical. Okay. There is yep. no indication in the trailers, aside from Grant singing the Oompa song, versions of the Oompa song that we're going to get song. Okay, but both Lily Wonka movies we've had since 1971 had songs. Yes, yeah, so why would you be ashamed of bringing up the songs in your trailer? <laughs> okay. Like, I... I don't know. I don't know what to say. I never really got to see the trailer for Willy Wonka. It was a VHS tape we played the hell out of when we were kids. Sorry we didn't ask Uncle Jimmy. Oh, yes, can you go give this a special treatment process? Like, we were... It was VHS. We didn't know that you were going to at least get the trailer with every DVD purchase you made. Right. But... Unless it was from a low, lower brand or Sony in the early noughties. <laughs> like, I'm just not... I'd be, I'd be, I get pissed whenever I have to turn off the air conditioner so I can listen. So, oh great, no subtitle track on the Wraith. Yeah, but with, with Wonka, it just seems so twee for a Willy Wonka movie. That is the essence of Timothy Chalamet. Well, that's the thing. Maybe... Everyone kind of had a hope that he could pull this off, but more and more, well, people this, are having their doubts. This is the this is the big gamble he's taking. He can prove we can finally forget about Johnny Depp, get over him. The other weird thing is that you you look at this. They've also released the final trailer for the dis the Disney film Wish, yeah. and for one, it's weird. They both have virtually the same main character. Yeah. It, Oh, I'm wacky and adorable and awkward. <laughs> and winds up with a deep voice sidekick that obviously the movie's going to lean on like a crutch for comedy purposes. Okay, going back to the No on 13 podcast. <laughs> uh, drops every Friday. Um, after the spooky season, I'm thinking about moving uh, 90 for Chill podcast to Wednesdays to give uh, Tuesday solely to uh, Not a Strong Start. So... But I digress. Uh, but they did Monster Squad. And look, uh, there was a great Saturday Night Live sketch with the Pedro Pascal episode where there was a trivia show about movies and none of the people knew anything about movies post-1990. Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying that with No One 13... No, I'm sorry. Yeah, No One 13 doing an episode about the Monster Squad and you tell me... High pitched, wacky, wacky characters and a dude voiced uh, a sidekick. That makes me think of Frank and the and the Monster Squad. So it's kind of like, oh, I think that's what we want. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> no, if it was more like, it is kind of weird that 
Wish just gives off to me the vibes of one of those eighty shenanigans fantasy movies. The kind that Amblin made a lot of. Mm-hmm. Harry and the Hendersons or Yeah, I did. that was a DVD I got for Christmas yeah. once and I just never opened up. It's like Or uh, Batteries Not Included. That was one that was well, that one had the cute robots, but that was a pretty heartless movie after that. <laughs> uh, or as I said, something like Solar Babies. Which, the more you keep saying, this is Solar Babies, and I'm saying, no, it's City of Lost Children, and it's like, you're just telling me to watch Solar Babies. (laughs) We can all agree we're going to skip The Serpent and The Songbird, correct? Hunger Games? That's the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Wait, see, I'm just telling, I I got the snakes, I I got the bird. Yeah, that's one of the only other big November releases, though. Yeah. I mean, I don't... I mean, I'm sure there's some interest in Napoleon, but I'm not sure that's the kind of film people are going to rush out to go see on Thanksgiving weekend when, you know, they've yeah, got two no. animated on the market. Yeah, no, I would have probably just got your... I mean, it all depends on how much money is dropped into it, I suppose, because that sounds like something, yeah, you might want to just drop it late December, get your Oscar or not. And then you get to December, and for a few weeks, there really isn't anything that's going to draw in the general public. There, there's a bunch of awards contenders, but I don't know how wide something like the... I'm trying to remember, I can't remember the titles. They kind of blur together. Mm-hmm. Until you get to Wonka in the middle of the month. And then after that, there's um, uh, the Aquaman sequel mm-hmm. and Migration next yeah the illumination cartoon Mm -hmm. that's about it yeah well so there are people looking forward to the musical version of the color purple i'm i'm not not, i I don't need my songs with um domestic abuse they i mean the simpsons proved it doesn't work stella (laughs) stella can't you hear me yella like no there really is, it, and I do think that there's kind of this void and I'm not that a, 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 Phantom a, Events is trying to fill. Well, thinking about musical and domestic abuse, again, I'm not a fan of a Little Shop of Horrors. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you know, once once we eat Steve Martin, I'm kind of out. Yeah. I, have you ever seen the director's cut? Oh, no, no. I mean, I do love the finale, but I get bored with all the yeah. with all the melodrama, trying to, like, yes, our nerdy hero who murdered... Well, the point, <laughs> the point of the stage... How it plays out in the stage play, to put it simply, is much closer to the original source material. Oh, I would imagine. Uh, the direct... And the director's cut, pretty much the whole last half hour or so is different because... It does see through the story to the logical end point of Seymour making a deal with the devil, mm. as, some, as another critic put it. It ends with Audrey II taking over the world. <laughs> and, and the story goes was that they did, that the reason this, it didn't go out that way was it completely bombed in test screenings. <laughs> right. Well, I think about it, it's like, well, you know, hey, you know, um... Not everybody's going to die. They need a food supply. So, And Earth will be forever protected against those aliens from uh, Rick and Morty 
who won a musical performance. We're going to win that competition every time. <laughs> but More power to Audrey, too. Uh, Audrey, too. Yeah. But I just haven't felt... I think some people have pointed out that, you know, we were all just getting back into going to theaters again, and we were seeing a few genuine events come up, like, you know, Barbie and Oppenheimer doing as well as they did, or how elemental, even if it was not quite enough to be profitable on that giant budget, held on for much oh. longer than people expected. Oh, no, and I think it might make its money back on... No, it'll, it'll probably be fine in the long run, but that isn't really what the studios want right now. They need to see results very quickly, and for a lot of these movies, that's just not happening. No, no, it's... I don't know, like... Um... I did get out to this theater two weekends in a row to see Expendables 4, which really chickened out on on the ending. Like, all we needed was Terry Crews flying the helicopter. And I don't need to find out, oh yeah, and uh, Sylvester Sloan's just a straight-up murderer, not one who's got code. Um, but I really dug Saw X. Mm-hmm. I don't, like, no, it fits between... People are telling me, no, it's a prequel to Saw 2. No, 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 me Saw 3, because I like Saw 2. And, but I love the fact that they got pretty much the band back together. It, it, even in little cameo bits. It's like, yeah, they made that one for us. And, and let's get Saw 11 going. <laughs> I but, mean, and it, that definitely made, like, oh gosh. Just looking at box office numbers, though, when I went to see The Expendables mm-hmm. 4... Yeah. Uh, oh, it's finishing, uh, you know, uh, 100000 less than The Nun 2, but we're looking at $8 million a pick. <laughs> like, next week, uh, Saw, Saw definitely made its money back in the opening week. Yeah. So, um, but as you say, you're not a slasher fan, but I, I think, you know, if you make it horror comedy, you might, you don't, you can appreciate a good head lopping or something. Well, it's not impossible, but it's just that people, you know, wanted to get out to the movies, and now there's really not a lot on the market. Oh, I don't know if people really want to get out to the movies. That's just something, like, oh gosh, another thing with the No on 13 podcast. And a movie in 1983 costs $2.50. Like, gas is probably a bit more adjustable inflation than a movie ticket. Um, like to see Saw Saw X, I didn't. I felt eh, I don't need to use the freebie coupon I have. Oh, you know, it was a thirty dollars experience getting the movie ticket and then the popcorn and the drink. And can't we have a small popcorn anymore? That was not a small popcorn that they gave me. <laughs> like, yes, it weighed less. So I mean, I guess mathematically it's a small popcorn because it weighs less than a uh, it's got so much air in it it weighs less than a pop secret bag <laughs> but yeah I don't know it's just not because I mean there's always half price Tuesdays I think AMC's run yeah. right now and maybe if I take the plunge into getting the AMC stubs maybe I can make that work Right. but I work 50 hour weeks so I'm not the target market right now. Yeah. But it, it's clear that I don't think any of the Dece- November, December releases so far are going to 
what people want is a big event like a Barbie or Taylor Swift movie and the studios just aren't get just aren't offering that right now major studios because that is not true don't you realize that every Marvel release is an event at this point not so much well, I, I, I just don't there's just not a lot of... well no no we needed a decade dare I say I, Marvel movies would be a lot better off if we took a decade maybe 20 years off like Star Wars movies did but I say that and it's like I want a Star Wars movie every year and like Marvel fans I don't care how crappy it is well I think I'm not sure it's an issue of Marvel fans not caring anymore given no I, I think it's the general I think we are just finding out that Marvel fans are Marvel fans not cinema fans dare I say I'm saying that people who go out to movies do want more than just comic books Mm-hmm. Um, and we they just benefited from a you know 15 year run because yeah. I mean you look at the other titles because as I said Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes doesn't seem to be drumming up a lot of interest it, I don't know it could, it, it could surprise uh, like, there's not, as I said, Wish and Wonka don't seem to be getting a lot of enthusiasm unless you're totally in the tank for Disney as a brand. And, or Timothy Chalamet, Chalamet respectively. But I think Disney really stepped in it with the second trailer for Wish, the full-length one, because a ton of people after seeing that were on the villain's side. <laughs> well, I don't necessarily. It's been a while since we had a villain to cheer for, so I. They're basically, uh, the conflict comes when our heroine. <laughs> I just like to refer to that kind of character as our heroine. Mm-hmm. Uh, is supposed to become the apprentice to the king, mm-hmm. who has the the power to grant wishes, which mm-hmm. and. And people bring them their dearest wishes and protects them. But he reveals to her that he won't grant wishes that he doesn't think will benefit the kingdom, which means most wishes probably won't get granted. And she thinks that's not right. I, I, <laughs> I, um, okay. I'm going to say that the king is be so is the king the here we go so is the king the antagonist yes okay so no 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 i i they now we're getting political here because he, no i i if yeah, it's it, not if it's, it's not it's if, a it's a classic disney style villain like jafar and maleficent right and i'm saying that and I, what i'm saying is that i'm thinking like okay v- that only benefit the kingdom well you're you're I'm 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 here for a goat led revolution. So no, you've just sold it. See, you've sold me further on on this movie. Well, that's the problem. Though. The trailer doesn't don't like make it clear like... why the the king isn't good. 
Well, that the, that the king has really got this huge ego and is just trying to have a hold on well, power. Well, no, well, but the trailer doesn't make that clear, and a lot of so a lot of people didn't understand why he's why he's supposed to be this bad guy. Because he is a freaking bad guy. Because you're you're like, what's a wish going to do harm? That's just it. Well. Happy, what happy, is, what happy is the stuff. plot of any comedy movie where where a character gets the power to grant their wishes or other people's wishes? Well, what happens when when the <laughs> when the regular person gets that power? <laughs> shenanigans. Yeah. And I'd rather live in a. <laughs> That's I'd I, rather I, live <laughs> in a world of constant shenanigans <laughs> than. So every. So, you know, we have a lot of people thinking, oh, is this going to be like Bruce Almighty? <laughs> well, but see, I, again, this is like why we like Bruce Almighty. Making Steve Carell try to save the world, that was a dumb idea. <laughs> Believing that Morgan Freeman would be the type of god to go and drown us again. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. If you've seen the movie, it was a little more complicated. I, I, but I'm just saying, that's a premise I'm not, like, I don't want to see evil Morgan Freeman. He wasn't. No, I'm saying that the concept, except of it, you know. I don't know. It's um. Well, no, but it's but I'm just saying it's like. A power to you know it's for for somebody so well. We're cut. We're cutting hair. It's just basically like, yeah, I can do it, but I don't want to. <laughs> is kind of be like. Giving a, I don't know what her wish is, don't want to, keep your golden books to yourself. Um, well, you I mean, it's in the trailer. I haven't watched the, tra- again. The first trailer. I, I didn't really, I like, I'm watching, I didn't really pay, I guess I didn't pay attention to the song. I'm just seeing, well, like, it's okay. Not, it's the, not the, a spoiler because the whole thing. Well, because the star comes down because she wishes her people had more than they have now. Okay. Well, that's I, all her wishes. I'm just watching the visuals and hearing the from the people, from the studio, and then I get a talking goat voiced by Alan Frickin' Tudyk, and it's like, don't like mute chicks, don't like goats, but, but mute does. chicks and goats, <laughs> sign me up. Does. I'll buy season tickets. But she, but yeah. It's, it's another of those, it's another of the wacky Disney heroines we've been getting since Anna in Frozen, you or see, maybe Rapunzel and Tangled. Here, here, today. I guess, I guess here's here's where we're at. Um, I have not been interested in a uh, Disney anime, or at least to go out and see a Disney Studios animated feature. Yeah. Um. I mean, unless it was something that really wasn't that kind of not their not their bag, like a Wreck It Ralph, yeah, or a Big Hero Six, right? Um, well, Zootopia might be in their bag, but then again, it's not princesses; it's it's fuzzy animals, and I got a weak mystery of a fuzz. <laughs> really thinking about going furry, but I don't like. I don't know. It seems like too much work and too many. <sighs> in other words, I need a roommate. <laughs> So, um, with all that, so I'm just saying, you look at my standpoint, it's like, oh, I don't want to see a princess movie. Yeah. 
Right. And, yeah. and so I don't know jack about Anna. I, I'm entertained by a snowman that I knew at one time was, <laughs> was conning Africans into converting to um, Mormonism. So, yeah, I don't know all this stuff. And the right. more heat that these the people who like up oh, Disney hoping for Disney's failure and I get it. A failure would be good so they make well, a lot of failures are gonna have to happen before yeah. they really start changing things. Right. But now you're selling me on this like you're creating you're you're creating an audience that wasn't there. Just let it die. That's I guess what I'm going at. And the same thing with the Marvel hate. It's like no, I don't want any more Marvel movies. As I said, for 20 years, I'm done. They're not Star Wars. Give me, give me, give me, give me all them lightsabers. I am so pumped. I was so pumped once I saw orange lightsabers on Ahsoka. Yeah. Merchandising, merchandising, merchandising. Another excuse. Get another saber and another con. So, I guess, I don't know. So that's, I guess, I don't know. We're not being very hateful. So I guess we're not actually film twitter right now but i mean this is the kind of discourse we need i suppose well i um, i just not feeling it yeah i, the, I get all it all releases because i'm not really a fan of the, the modern disney princess movie i didn't care for tangled and frozen is i thought was terribly overrated and i never gave a shit so but Tangled, actually, no, Tangled is one I want to get around to. Um, I would say the same thing, obviously, with the... I mean, what they're missing is every movie should have Keith David in some capacity. Princess and the Frog, that's in my queue. <laughs> Haven't gotten around to it. I mean, I got Maniac Cop to watch. <laughs> so, um, so, no, I, I get, I mean... But here's the, I guess here's the thing. It's like you're too quick to surrender to the discourse. I guess is my comment. You you know, and I was not. I don't think I'm going to be impressed by that Disney princess, and it wasn't. <laughs> you know, it's like if you were a Canadian, you'd be cute and polite about it. But otherwise, it's you're yeah. That's it's that I get yeah, as I'm saying, it's just like if it's not for you, don't entertain it, I suppose. Like, because we're not going to get the movies we want, I think is what I'm getting at. And what, what are the like the movies I want are just like it's got to be a hell of a story to get me to want anything more than just you know, a Chuck Palahniuk-inspired script or a Quentin Tarantino feature. You know, give me a lot of guns and gore, I'm there. But I guess that's just it. What do you want? Do you want our, like, as we discussed with the with Gold Diggers of 1933, you want something huge... But I don't know if everybody else wants that. Well, you can't. I I just I would settle like I could I could settle on low budget movies the rest of my life. 
Well, I suppose it speaks to one of the problems we're seeing right now, the post-COVID environment, and that the way that stuff like the Marvel movies or the Disney animated features in particular, but you could say other studios have this problem too, uh, is you're trying to cast the net to make something that will please everybody, which is not not possible. And you ha and unfortunately, if you really want something that'll be memorable enough to grow on an audience, it you do have to take the risk of it being a narrow slice of the audience. Well, the, the, you say risk, but all right, let's cut. Let's do an idea for thirty million instead of a hundred million. Well, it's not just an issue of the budget. I'm just saying, Kevin Smith never needed of, more than thirty million. Yes, but Kevin Smith also wasn't making giant, giant sci-fi movies or animated features. You don't need, but like my favorite sci-fi movies recently are like Dark Star or so a lot of '70s favorite Dark Star. Silent Running. I can make that in my ba I can Now I want to have a basement so I can say I can make it in my basement. Well, what I'm saying is that it's telling that the kind of movies that have thrived this year were stuff like Oppenheimer and Barbie, or something like Across the Spider-Verse, or Elemental that are, while definitely in a lot of ways, traditional crowd pleasers with your three-act structure and your, uh, rec oftentimes a recognizable IP, let's face it, is that they do feel more complete and that one thing that bugs people about Marvel movies, and this is a problem that affects the Disney films like Frozen, is that you know exactly where the jokes are going to be placed. You, you, you know that they'll never let a serious moment land without making some kind of joke a few seconds later. And you know what kinds of jokes they're going to make. Are you not a fellow member of Gen X? That's, that's what we do. I don't think that's... What we, 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 do. Are, we are the Leonardo DiCaprio from uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood meme. There it is. Like I was trying to find like ooh after I hear David Tennant uh, on Ahsoka finally say mm -hmm. what's never been said in the Star Wars features. A long time ago in a galaxy far oh far away, and it's like all right that's a great sound bite to put right ahead of my podcast, and I do love my uh, Simon Pegg Nick Frost. Mm -hmm. But the moment I try finding a sound by that, it's a TikTok video with a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And then they cut right to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. There it is! There it is! No! Well, well that's the thing, is that a lot of movies these days are just trying to be the pointing Leo meme. Like, well, every Leo meme, honest, honestly, uh, the the Django Unchained Leo meme. <laughs> and that, so... So, yeah. Um, it's hard to explain, but 
there's something very, very cookie. What what that my means... friend Jessica Ritchie calls content paste. Oh, um, where they all come out basically feeling like the same movie with only slight variations. Right, and that that no, that is uh, incredibly fair, and that's why there have there are very few five star movies out there. Um, like we're living in the age, like Marvel can kind of conditioned people to want to go see good enough movies on a consistent basis, but the maybe it was the pandemic, but that's kind of broken, and people want. Stuff that isn't just good enough. I did, but that's point. just it. I don't. Especially since there isn't really anything driving them to keep going with just good enough. I don't think, but I, I really, no, I think the vocal minority wants something besides not um, just good enough. And I think, again, I think it might be the the just the expense of the theater going experience. I mean, let's go back to the 90s um, when we're, mom is taking us to a movie, to like two movies a week. How often were they different movies? Mm-hmm. And if you try to tell mom to do something a little off the wall, that wasn't going to happen. Well, we were still teenagers at the oldest then. It was going to kind of be a more limited scope. I understand that, but I'm just saying we didn't have to drag Dad to Once Upon a Forest. That's true. Okay. <laughs> so, but we know Mom would not take us to see Once Upon a Forest. Yeah. Or Ferengoli. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, she was kind of poo-poo on cartoons. Like, well, it's hard not to have been. Well, I mean... I'm just saying, now, now, now we're just going into, I think that she thought the pinnacle of Disney was Robin Hood. Well, for some people of a certain generation, that might be. Well, I guess we're just dealing with the... Okay, so we're dealing with a certain point of view. So... We need Hollywood to course caress with another incestuous kiss, unknowing incestuous kiss. Boom. I'm just saying we kind of straighten our act. No, we don't want another point of a <laughs> certain point of view, opinions anymore. That's <laughs> no, up to you. But well, I can't think of much else to say. No, no, no. It's just good to chat because again, it's going around in circles, and I do not have. And, um, yeah, it's going around in circles. So we've, we've come to that point in the podcast, and at least it took us 30 minutes to get there. Uh, I still got to edit my episode about we're all going to the World's Fair. And I think we talked around in circles for that one for two hours. And that start, and as I say, we talked around that one for two hours, meaning there was no no development, at least. Sorry, Austin. <laughs> um, but, so, no, this is very uh, worthwhile conversation. So, we know that you're... Yeah, you got your criteria, channel. <laughs> I mean, isn't that another problem with the streaming, is that we can get comfortable now? What do you mean? Well, you have your criteria, channel. Huh? So, 
nothing is happening in the theaters, well, that's no big deal. Well, that's true. It is this, the way streaming affected how people relate to the movie going experience can be underestimated. And I can tell you that the AMC in Peoria does not have the cool seats that the AMC in Rosemont had. So I'm just saying, no reclining, no table for my snacks. It's not not as fun as it what it is elsewhere. Um, I'd say the grass is always greener, but do you recall seeing any real grass in Rosemont? I don't think so. Yeah, so the astroturf is always greener is the lesson tonight. So you can, uh, if you want to know what the Poetic Critic is watching, she's on Letterboxd at The Poetic Critic. I'm on Letterboxd with C and Darth at C is in Cool, M is in Movies, Darth is in a Sith Lord. You can f- still follow me on Twitter at CatBusRuss and on Mastodon's at RussStevens at Mastodon.social where I usually go and bet, put the best comment, content from that and share it on Twitter. I'm trying to get this migration going. I'm looking into threads. Not willing to commit yet. And I would love a blue sky invitation. Somebody? Anybody? Um, so yeah. So we'll um, hopefully have a great wrap up for the uh, rest of spooky month. Otherwise, my only other spooky story is I was looking, got on eBay to find, after finding Hellraiser 5 Inferno and Hellraiser 6 at Disc Replay in Champagne. And I went to eBay to find a copy to find Hellraiser 3 and 4. Got in a double pack, just picked up today, visiting my folks. Uh, but I stopped in Bloomington. You know what they had there? Hmm. A Miramax six pack. Hmm. No, it did not have Hellraiser 1 and 2, <laughs> but it had Hellraiser 3 through. Three through eight, I guess it would be. And it's like, well, that is the one. Eight is the one with Lance Henriksen and Henry Cavill. But <sighs> the cinema snob is too good at his job. So it's like, I guess I should be happy that I spent way too much money on four movies instead of getting six bad ones. <sighs> Let's send it on a more suitable note. Thanks, Station Marie Harden, for keeping an eye after me, making sure I stay out of too much trouble. And I hope you're doing the same to everybody else you touched in your life. And I hope you're smothering the ever... Yeah, going full El- Elvira F- Duff on Skimble Shanks, the one-eared angel. He'd like it. I promise. Thanks for listening to you for Chill the Podcast. Thank you again, The Poetic Critic. Can I hear a wahoo?